I'm really tempted to sing the Uga Chaka Uga 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 Chaka song, you know, Hooked on a Feeling. I, I don't remember who exactly who sang it. But I'm not going to do that because right now copyright violations are messy. And while I know plenty of podcasters use actual recorded music uh, in their podcasts and are not paying royalties in any way, shape, or form, despite the fact that I am a negative target, I have no money for this whatsoever. No, you feel free to sue me on that because I have nothing. Uh, it's all, you know, there, there's, I'm not a rich target. Don't worry about me. Um, I'm still not going to do it. But, you know, in your own head, if you want to think about the dancing computer animated baby from Ally McBeal while you're singing Ooga Chaka, Ooga, Ooga, Ooga Chaka, feel free. Go nuts. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand and recruiting podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. Thanks so much for listening. If this is your first time for joining in, we do things a little differently. We try and do deep dives. There's not a lot of interviews here. There's not a lot of news here. This is about how do we get smarter and better? And that means how do I get you smarter and better? How do I get you to think about these problems at a deeper level so that you can solve them and look like a genius to your boss? If this isn't the first time you've been here, thanks so much for returning. Feel free to share with your friends, your coworkers, your boss. I don't know. Uh, We really do appreciate that. All right, let's get into it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Full disclosure, I recorded this once about a half an hour, hated it, (laughs) and said, do I want to do this again? And yes, the answer is yes, I want to do this again. I want to take that rambling all over the map episode and turn it into something a little more effective for you. I think there's a lot of meat here. I think there's a lot of value here and I want to make sure you get some value out of it. It's been a while since I've had to completely throw away and re-record a podcast, so I guess it was my time. Uh, first off, housekeeping. Uh, this is going to really be a really busy month. I mean, just an insanely busy month. Uh, day after uh, Tomorrow, I'm going to talk to a- Adam Gordon over at Talent Pipe on a webinar. I'm going to Two days after that, I'll be in Waukesha, Wisconsin. That's near Milwaukee. Uh, to talk for MRA. After that, I'm going to be at Sherm Talent. I think that's the one after that. That's in Nashville. After that, there's a client conversation or client trip I'm probably going to do in San Francisco. And after that, there's Erie and San Diego. So assuming things don't get even more complicated somehow, that's what's going on. It's a crazy month. So come say hello. Say, come find me. Come hear me speak, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, uh, oh yeah, you can see all that stuff uh, over at the TalentCast or JamesEllis.us. Feel free to give me your email address and I will keep you up to date with podcasts and episodes and stuff like this and not spam the heck out of you. That's my promise to you. Anyway, I want to talk about feelings. I mean, hold on. No. <laughs> uh, okay, I got to be careful with that because um, I actually don't want to talk about feelings. I want to talk about emotions. And I think emotions are different. Uh, one of the things that happened this last week, I was spent three days at Talent Brand Summit with 100 employer brand people where there were amazing conversations with people in very big companies, very small company people who have been doing this for a very, very long time, people who are relatively new with this job or this kind of you know set of responsibilities, I guess. Calling it a job, I think, is complicated given our industry. I think a lot of people are recruiters who are just tasked with, oh yeah, also employer brand, have fun. Um, so let's just call it the, the, the focus, right? There's a lot of people with employer brand focuses and they come from big companies and small companies. They have big, re, big budgets and little budgets. Um, all of them complain about not having enough. I get that. Um, some have huge brand recognition, some do not. But in the end, we talked a lot and I talked with some amazingly smart people and we came up with some really interesting ideas and you know the conversations kind of wound around like a good party should. And one of the things that struck me after all of it was how little any of the conversations talked about emotions. 
And we're talking about getting a job. And when we talk about getting a job, and I, I think I've said this about a million times, when you talk about asking people to apply for a job, you're asking them to change their lives. You are asking them to radically change everything about their lives. Now, it doesn't matter. They're not, you know, even if they're moving from one job across the street to another, even if the title is effectively the same, even if the salary isn't all that different, you're asking people to change their lives. They're changing their uh, standard processes, their day-to-day uh, -day operations, how they see the world, what they're expected to do, how they're expected to grow, the politics of the job and the company, the KPIs of the job and the company, the, hey, the coffee's going to be different, the lunch is going to be different, their boss is going to be different, who they have to please is going to be different, um, their expectations going to be different. If they change something beyond a job from one side of the street to another, their commute's going to be different. Their mode of transportation is different. Here in Chicago, I once had a job where I was on uh, the metro, which is the commuter train, and the next I had another job which was purely on the local train, the L, as is famous here. Um, it radically, you know, the jobs themselves weren't that far from each other. They were less than a mile away from each other, but the modes of transportation dictated so many different changes about a job. Asking people to change a job is asking them to change their lives. That is an emotional thing. No question about it. It is an emotional thing. People don't change their lives because they're bored. People change their lives because they need to change emotional states. They want something better for themselves, right? Yes, money's great, but money is in service of getting something you want. And most of the time, that's about stating some emotional need. I need to feel like I'm in charge of this. I need to feel like I'm better than this. I need to be seen as more respected. I need to see, have more free time. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, right? Those are all emotions connecting to. Now, emotions are difficult because they're hard to extract, they're hard to elicit, they're hard to spark in other people. You know how I know? Well, here in the States, and I, I presume, I'm going to guess it's similar over in, uh, in Europe, um, political ads are incredibly fear-mongering. You have 30 seconds to explain why this candidate is different from that candidate, and if you focus on facts, you're not going to get very far. No one buys a diamond necklace going, ah, this has 0.01 carat more than the other, and it has a slightly higher clarity rating. No, you look at a diamond and you go, I love that diamond. I love that piece of jewelry. I have fallen in love with it. I have an emotional response to that thing. Then when you say, why did you pick that diamond over that di diamond or that ring over that ring, you say, okay, I'm going to go find some facts and justify my emotional response because most people make decisions based on emotions. So you see political ads and it's about fear mongering. It's about don't vote for that guy because he's a jerk and he once kicked a puppy and don't vote for her she knows the guy who kicked a puppy and oh, they're horrible human beings and you know that if they you elect them again if you it's always this way if you let them be elected again oh my goodness um you, the more puppy kicking will happen uh so like this other person Notice the visuals on those ads. You know, this person kicked a puppy black and white. It's a lot of duo tone, so it's straight out of the quote-unquote newspaper, assuming newspapers still exist anymore, um, or people read them, I don't know. It's, 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 it's super high contrast to make them look evil, to make them look mean. And then, of course, it's always like, Hi, my name is Bob Smith, and I approve this ad. Full color, full motion graphics, smooth, well-lit Bob Smith. Gosh, he's not going to kick puppies, even though he funded some sort of council for positive puppy kicking or whatever. I have wandered to a tangent again. Hey, weird. Me? I know, right? But that's how they're trying to enlist an emotion. They're trying to say negative, 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 and then say, bammo, here is an alternative to the fear. Look at many news companies and, I don't know, political agendas and or current politicians 
both here and in the UK, he said, hint, hint, nudge, nudging. Um, Fear-mongering. The facts are fuzzy. Hell, uh, in Britain, they drove, got a big old bus. They threw all sorts of fake facts designed only to get you to have an emotion response that NHS was somehow, the National Health Service was somehow throwing money in a big pile and setting it ablaze while giggling, it seems. Uh, they threw some fake facts to justify what they were doing. The facts don't make the argument. The facts justify an argument. You have an emotional reaction, this idea that, oh my God, they're wasting so much money. There could be something better. That's an emotional response. And then you find a way to justify those reactions with facts. Whether they're real or right is a separate thing. Current President Donald Trump, very unusual relationship with the concept of fact. So his job is mostly to get you to feel something. And that fear is usually, or that feeling is usually fear. That feeling is usually, how dare they? And the they is always complicated. It's always someone of a slightly different gender, or a slightly different race, or a slightly different ethnicity, or a slightly different accent, or a slightly different sexuality, or what have you. It's always they. It's us versus they. It's a great way to spark fear. Fear is an emotion. Now fear is, fear, not specifically fear, but emotions are amazing because they bypass most of the brain. Fight or flight. So you, you, you read all the books and you know that there's the, the part of the brain that determines that you blink even when you're not thinking about it and your heart beats even when you're asleep. And when the rest of the brain shuts down, that part's making sure you're not dead. Um, good for that part. <laughs> Keep at it, buddy. The next part on top of that is what's referred to the lizard brain, and that is purely the fight or flight, not purely, but it's mostly the fight or flight stuff. And that's where a lot of emotions happen. That is to say, if you see the tiger in the, in the grass, because that part of the lizard brain is so close to the brainstem, you react. Bam, gotta go, gotta go. Fight or flight, boom, 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 boom. Reaction. At no point do you say, let's hold a committee to see if tigers are really, you know what, what would be better? Should we be scared of that, that tiger or should the tiger be scared of us? I hear tigers are becoming extinct. Maybe we should find a way to save that tiger by feeding it something, <laughs> you're dead. The higher level brain stuff, slower, more complicated, dead. So consequently, the lizard brain, which is where a lot of the emotions are, is faster and it overrides. So if you are presented with something, before your higher level functions start to kick into think it mode, your lizard brain goes, do it, have a feeling, react, fight or flight, bang, let's go. And by the time the bigger brain kind of goes, hey, what happened there? Its job is then to say, let's justify what just happened. Let's be okay with the fact. You ever have like a like a reaction, like you're in an airport or you're in an, or an airplane or maybe, I don't know, perhaps like an airport. I don't know, maybe you know places where people are generally stressed and at their worst and as human beings are just the worst. You know, maybe like an airport or an airplane potentially. I don't know, your, your mileage may vary. But... You know, you have these people and they're all, oh God, I'm worried about my flight and I'm worried about getting there on time and I'm worried about making my connection. I know I'm going to be sitting in a really uncomfortable chair and I hope there's nobody kicking my chair behind me and I hope I'm not sitting next to a kid or a really huge person who's going to take over my armrest and then more some and, uh, you know, all this stuff, right? All that stuff. Or, oh, did I forget my headphones? Or, oh, 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 did I remember to pack a belt? Fear, 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 fear. Anxious, 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 right? It does not take much to spark negative reactions there. It does not take much. Cutting in line. Yeah, do that. Cut in line in front of somebody at the security uh, security line and see if a fight doesn't break out real quick. That is emotional. These are smart, ostensibly, smart human beings, thoughtful human beings. Because their emotional states override their thoughtful states, they get into predicaments. They get into bad situations, right? That's just how the brain works. That's just how the brain works. The emotions 
get to the reaction faster than the thoughtfulness. Now, I bring all this stuff up because emotions should be making or making those decisions of your candidates. They're saying, I should look for a new job. I should work for you. I should try this thing. I should be willing to change my life. Let's start with this. Let's look at, because really when you think about emotions in marketing, you're thinking about how do I move someone from state X to state Y? How do I get them, how do I understand what their mental emotional state is now and where do I want them to be? So you think about where are they and how, what is going to be positive and useful for them? How do I feed it so I get them to this other emotional state? Here's a great example. Here in the States we have April 15th is tax season. It is the day all your personal taxes are due. And no one goes, woohoo, at that, that date. No one goes, here's a fun day. Oh, I can't wait. It's my birthday. It's Thanksgiving. And then it's tax day. Those are in order. Um, it, it's, a, it's a fraught day. You have two and a half months to get your taxes done and get your, your, your shit sorted, so to speak. And it is fraught because you're always thinking they change the tax code every year. Half the time, even smart people don't understand where these numbers are coming from. You throw in a $9 receipt into something and suddenly you go from getting $100 to owing $1,000. you are like, well, how did I do that? Well, the answer is somehow you cross some sort of bracket. How did I do that? I don't know. It's very complicated. You got to let the software do it. Oh my God, I don't have $1,000. Yeah, I know. This is why it's tense all the time, Right? Tax season is tense. Now you go look at every ad for tax software, tax preparation, tax accounting, and they're all the same. They're all very simple. Calm down. We got this. It's all very vague smile without teeth, nothing scary. Confidence, comfort. We're going to have your back. We're going to maximize what you get to give you the best possible return. There's never any wackiness. There's never any craziness. They're never pretending they're going to get to the point of saying, woohoo, tax season. They know that's not possible. They're not shooting for that. That is not what they're doing. And I'm reminded of Katrina Kibben, who is my friend, and I'm name dropping her, and she doesn't know I'm doing this, but I'm absolutely name dropping her. And I pull it up so I make sure I have it because I planned for this. And that is to say, she wrote something very, 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 very smart, and I lost it. Can you really? Katrina, this is this is weird advertising. Um, she wrote something pretty pretty telling and pretty useful, and I want to make sure I quote her accurately, which is unusual for me. I know. Um, it's here somewhere. Where is it? Oh, I'm going to vamp until I find it. I know it. There it is. And the quote is this. You have to make people feel something to do something, right? That's the power. You want them to take your, your to buy your tax account software, you have to make them feel like this is going to get the thing done. You want them to vote. You want them to make them feel like if you don't vote for that person, puppies are getting kicked. You f- make them feel something and then they do something right? That's the overall message. And I think we forget about that so much. You know, those conversations at Talent Brand, we forget about the feeling stuff. So remember, we're trying to get people from one emotional state to the next. What emotional state are most of your candidates in? Spoiler, it ain't good. Anybody who's looking for a job doesn't go, woohoo, looking for a job in tax season at the same day. It's my lucky day. No, they think, oh God, I have to write my resume and no one likes writing resumes except me. I'm a weirdo. Um, Oh, I have to go look for jobs and I, that's fraught with uncertainty. And these job descriptions are horribly, poorly written. I don't even know what the hell I'm applying for half the time. Um, I don't know what jobs, the, what companies these are. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. And now I'm hearing there's some people who are faking job postings to collect personal information. And that's fraught with fear, fraught with fear, fraught with fear, fraught with fear. The emotional state of your average candidate is, oh, God, again, 
right? It's just this, oh God, I can't, uh, why do I have to do this? I'd rather pluck my own eyeballs out with a spoon. Um, this is no fun. This is your negative, your, the emotional state is all around negative. Whether you have a job, and if you're looking for a job, it means you're not happy at your job. Or you don't have a job, which means you're a little scared that you're not gonna pay your bills. That's a negative emotional state. They're all in negative emotional states. And how do we combat that negative emotional state? By offering stock art. By offering poorly written job descriptions that do nothing but lower to lower uncertainty. There's nothing there. If you think to those tax ads, there's no sense of confidence. There's no sense of we got you. There's very little sense of let me tell you the process and how we're going to walk you through it to make sure you get the most out of it. There's very little sense of comfort. It's all about, boy, you thought you were unhappy now. Just you wait till we get you in an interview room. So far, so good? Fantastic. But if you can't get enough of this stuff, I have some news. You can bring the James Ellis experience to your event or company. Just go to jamesellis.us and learn about all the kinds of custom presentations I can build and deliver for you or your team. But if it's time to get some hands-on help with your employer branding, recruiting, and hiring, either from the ground up or some strategic support, I would love to help. Just reach out to Proactive Talent or ProactiveTalent.com. That's where I work, and we can help you hire better. Cool? Cool. All right, let's get back to it right? Right? There's very little we're going to take care of you. It's always about, um, here's the least amount of information I'm legally allowed to get you or that I think will actually get you to take action. Take action. Person who I don't know and is a complete and total stranger. That's like 98% of it, right? For most of these jobs I see, they're just horribly written. They don't try to understand your emotional state. They presume you're thrilled to be looking for a job. Um, Honestly, that's why I think for my money, that's why when you use an ATS as a job seeker and you put all the information in at the end of it, it goes, all right, time to make your account. And you're like, are you freaking kidding me now? And you walk away. That's, I think there's always that last draw. And that last draw always exists within an ATS, right? Um, no, that, and that's because everything is boiling up to the surface. They hate that they have to do this. They hate that this resume is parsing. They hate that your software sucks. They hate that they have to jump through hoops and you present yet another hoop and they finally go, this is a hoop too far. Screw this. I'm going home. And they walk away. And you wonder why your candidates aren't great. So when we talk about using emotion in the job hunt, in the candidate search, in the candidate process, a couple of things we got to remember. I really don't think, much like the tax software commercials have taught us, you can don't expect people to go in for joy. Think about when you're applying for your dream job. Which this is the place, and this is the context in which this should be the maximum amount of joy. This is your dream job. It's finally come out. It's finally come open. It's finally option. It's finally possible for you to apply. Oh, my great googly moogly goodness gracious, here I go. It's still pretty fraught with unpleasant emotions. There's still a lot of fear and uncertainty. Did I do the resume the right way? Is it, did, I, did I write my cover letter the right way? Did I complete my process? I submitted my application for the ATS, but I never got a, hey, thanks for submitting your job to the, through the ATS. So did it actually happen? Do I, should I call the recruiter? Should I bug them? Should I ask them to verify that they got it? Should I make an introduction? Should I, should I, should I, should I? None of this sounds good. None of this sounds positive. This all sounds like fear. This all sounds like uncertainty. This all sounds like anxiety. Because it is. This is your dream job. It just means the stakes are higher. It doesn't mean joy enters into it. It just means the stakes are higher. Therefore, any negative emotions you feel, ramp it up, kids. So if you know that they're in a negative emotional state, you need to understand what emotional state you want them to be in, 
and then you need to understand what you can offer them to get them from point A to point B. So if they're in a negative, negative emotional state and you want them to get to a state of feeling like, okay, this is unpleasant for everybody, but we're going to make the best of it. This is pretty baseline. This pretty, should be pretty straightforward. Um, so how do I make someone feel comfortable? Well, you can put your process in. You can put your rules in. You can say if you don't get in the application itself, if you say, look, if you don't get an email in 20 minutes saying this, there is a problem and do this. Do these other steps. Not do it again because that's just being a jerk. Um, you can say you will get a call in two weeks. You can say you will get a response in this kind of time. You can say this is the recruiter putting a connecting a face to it right that's amazing that's why you know when you call your cable company they say hi my name is blah 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 they, they're trying to put a face to whatever venting is about to happen there's a lot of different ways to try and tamp down the uncertainty anxiety that comes with uncertainty we've talked about uncertainty before but it's an emotional state so you need to leverage and understand okay what we're trying to do here is lower the uncertainty to lower the anxiety to make people feel more comfortable to apply for the job but there's more. There, you could do a lot more. You could hope for better. And I'm not talking about candidate experience, and I think we're going to talk about candidate experience a little farther down the road because I've had some very, I don't know, I, I've tried to avoid the subject for a very long time, but now I'm being forced to not avoid the subject, and now it's, it's been very interesting to think about. But anyway, when you think about emotional change, if you remove the things like fear, if you remove the things where there's a, a gut reaction, a fight or flight reaction, that's why 30 second com political commercials don't focus on joy because joy is very hard to elicit. They focus on fear because fear is pretty easy to do, um, especially in this society. Fear is always there. It's just a matter of sparking it, hitting that right button and suddenly, ooh, I'm scared. Um, and if you think you only have 30 seconds to create the emotional reaction, you really don't have a lot of choices. You really kind of do have to lean on fear or anxiety or, you know, and, and all sorts of different fears. Fear of the other, fear of the unknown, fear of the future, fear of whatever. It's all, it's all fear, right? It doesn't have to be all clowns with weird makeup. It just it can be fear. It's just general, generalized uh, uh, all around us fear. It's the world. Um, you, if you knew perhaps, though, that you had more time to create an emotional response. What kind of an emotional response would you want? And I bring this up because I had an interesting conversation with someone who will remain nameless for a very large company who will also remain nameless, who happens to have access to a very large ATS that a lot of you use, which will also remain nameless. Um, so they get to see some very interesting aggregated data. And one of the things he said to me, which kind of blew my mind to the point where I said, you're going to have to say that to me again because the music's a little loud and I've had a drink, but I want to make sure I got that right. He said, how long do you think it takes the average person to apply for a job? And I'm like, well, you measure that stuff in minutes for the most part. And, you know, this is, this is 2019 for goodness sake. It's not measured in days or hours. It's measured in minutes. He goes, oh, no, no. The average person takes about 22 days to apply for a job. And I went, what? Say that again. And he told me, he's like, look, I mean, honestly, we talked a little bit about if, you know, and, and he's, you know, filtering out your average button pressers, I think. Um, you know, anybody who's just hitting apply, 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 apply for just, for please, for the, love, for the love of God, give me a job. But he's really talking about people who say, okay, I'm looking around for jobs. I'm thinking about getting a job. I saw the job. I didn't apply for the job, but I saw it because I'm in a process. And I'm trying to say, you know, there's, there's, there's a bigger process at play. It's not about I'm a project manager. I need another project manager job. It's about saying what other project manager type roles are out there. Not all titles 
are the same. A lot of times it looks like a project manager job, but it doesn't have a project manager title. It can be called something else. And so consequently, I, you start a job search by just kind of looking around. So you may see that job and get an emotional reaction or emotion, I'm sorry, initial reaction and say the clock starts ticking, but then you might say, I'm going to look again. Okay, I'm going to start to winnow my focus down because I don't want to send out 500 resumes. I want to send out five. And really, I just want to send out the one. And frankly, push came to shove. If I just knew a person who could just get me the job, that'd be better. I digress. And then you do the Glassdoor Google dance, and then you go to LinkedIn and see who you know at that company, and then, and then, and then. You do the, the standard journey. And he says, look, if you think about it in, in terms of 22 days, that's really how the modern world is. And yeah, that's a function of having very tight talent market and the talent can pick and choose a little bit, but I don't think that changes much once the market shifts a little bit. Let's say that uh, the economy takes a bit of a hit and it's not quite such a talent crunch anymore. It's no different. People are still gonna take their time before making a move. They're always gonna take their time if they have the available time, if there's enough information. And guess what? That's not gonna change. So if you know you have a lot more time in the job posting, in the job description, in the career site, in the glass door, in the Google, and what people respond, what people, what search results come up when people say, what's it like to work at blah, blah, blah? What's it like to work at blah, 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 Dublin, what have you? Um, if you know how that's coming up, if you know that they're watching the videos, and sometimes they're watching the 30-second videos, and sometimes they're watching those seven-minute videos, if you know, if you know that this is a long journey, you have an opportunity to spark a different emotion. You have an opportunity to get beyond the fear. You have more than just the, it'll be okay, it's calm down. What if you could spark real positive emotion? So let's say, let's just say, sake of argument, that you thought your company could spark some kind of joy. Perhaps you make something some people that people just love, like, I don't know, video games. Right? And I say this having spent a few days with some people at some very big video game companies who will remain, remain nameless. Hey, Dina. Um, the video games are great. People love video games. People have a lot of positive emotions with video games. And they do that because they get to spend a lot of time with them. People don't sp play video games for 10 minutes anymore. It's not dropping a quarter and playing for 30 seconds till Miss Pac-Man gets eaten. It's about playing these long, complicated games with narratives and characters and characters with motivations to drive the narrative forward and who make choices and whose world is changed by those choices. These are complicated games. Yeah, sure, there's shit exploding and guns and stuff and what have you, but it's very complicated games. People are having emotional relationships to some extent with the people, other people in the game also playing the game. Fortnite is not about how cool it is to blow stuff up, but it's a, literally a place to hang out with your friends. These are video games that are much more complicated and therefore you are spending a lot more time in them. Therefore, they have a lot more time to build an emotional state in you. These are, some, these are some ideas that you could be thinking about, right? If you know that you have 22 days on average, and that means there's plenty of people with more, if you know you have up to 22 days on average to establish an emotional connection, a positive emotional connection, what kind of positive emotion could you connect? Or, oh, I'm sorry. What positive emotion could you connect with? Let's say it is joy. How would you do that? Do you talk about the mission of what you're trying to do? Remember, this is a video game company. You're not saving the world, but you can say we're making people happy. People spend a lot more time touching our stuff than most than they spend in their car, than they spend watching movies, than they spend on Netflix per se. Um, there's a there's a huge impact to that. That your work done well 
makes an impact, can be seen by millions of people potentially for millions of minutes. Okay, suddenly you're tapping into my sense of pride. And pride is an emotion. Okay, so that's a step forward. How do you get it to joy? Well, let's talk about someone who never thought they'd have pride. Let's talk about someone who was just a lowly, I don't know. And, I'm, and maybe I'm projecting here because I was raised in the 80s when nerds you know, had pocket protectors and are not the very cool, attractive coder nerds that we see around us all day long. I still think nerds should be unattractive. That's just me. When the sexy nerds showed up, I don't know when that happened. But anyway, um, you know, you've got the nerd for whom and this is a stereotype obviously, but you've got the nerd for whom they were beaten up in high school and everybody thought they were worthless and they couldn't play sports because this is the 80s and sports were more important than anything else, blah, 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 blah. And then they come up with a game that everybody uses and now everybody loves them. Huh. Now, if you have a little more time to tell that story where I can create a connection to that poor nerd who's getting beat up and bullied in, in, in high school, and we can see that there's a turn of events where they try something, they do something, and they work on something, they build something, they launch something, they do amazing work, and they don't just feel pride, but they feel like their life has real meaning, that everybody around them was wrong, that they proved people wrong. Yeah, there's a little bit of spite there, but there's also that other part of it that says, yeah, they had a commitment to an idea, and they went for it, and they did it, and they made it happen. That sounds like every startup. Except, you know, most of them are, you know, whatever, I'm not going to go to that. Um, you have connections with this idea that someone who'd been told for so long that they couldn't and now they had something happen. That's an emotional response. That's a positive emotional response coming close to a sense of joy. Now, it's not quite kitties being shown new toys or babies with, uh, put, with glasses put on them for the first time. They can finally see clearly for the first time in their lives and the big-ass smile they have, which yeah, <laughs> none of us can compete with that level of joy. Um, or that kitten for whom every time you kind of open your hands, they kind of open their paws in surprise. That's hilarious. It fills everybody with joy every time they see it. Um, you don't have to go with that level of joy, but you can say, look, here's a story of someone who thought they could never do much. Here's a story of someone who was a music major and who got a job in customer service and worked her way up into a prod product manager role. And it turns out the work she's doing is being seen by hundreds of thousands of people and it's just the same kind of thrill as if she was on stage playing music. Joy, joy, joy. You're telling a story, you're building a narrative about what people at your company are like. Think, look at the videos you're trying to make when they're not being boring as hell. If you, you know, if you, if you could figure out how to scrape away all the boring obvious videos about day in the life and the stuff that, that's the stories that are told that don't mean anything and there's always somebody skateboarding in the background in an open concept office, ugh. Um, the stories of the individual people you're talking about their journeys, if you're doing it right. You're talking about their transformation, their narrative arc, if you will, about how they move from state A to state B or state X to state Y, right? They're having problems finding a job. They finally found this job. They took it. They weren't sure what they were getting, and this is a place they could call home, and they were able to do amazing things because of it, like, for example, A, B, and C. That is a narrative journey. And now you can even tell the second part of the story is, okay, now that they've had success, who are they now? And what are they trying to become now? How do they double down on that success? How do they take what they've learned, take what they've been able to do, and turn it into somehow more, better, whatever, right? That's a narrative. That's an emotional narrative that you can use every day. And if you know, know that, that you can't do that in a 30-second commercial, not to have it pay off in any reasonable fashion, but like I said, you know you have time to get this, to lay the groundwork. So if you tell that story in a I don't know, 90, 120 second video, 
By the time they see the video, they've already seen your career site. They've already seen what your company does. You're not trying to shoehorn in all these facts and figures, which by the way, we all know is validation down the road after you have the emotional response. That is to say you react and then you decide why you reacted using logic. But if you start to lay the groundwork of this is what the company is and this is why we do what we do and these are the kinds of people who like doing it and these are the kind of products we build and this is how what day-to-day -day looks like, you setting the sta you're setting the stage so that when they do watch that video of the person with the emotional response, you can actually reasonably expect that you can create an emotional reaction, a positive, potentially even joyous emotional reaction. And yet somehow we spend all our time thinking about how do we shorten the duration? How do we get them to the apply button faster? And if Katrina's right, and I'm going to bet she's onto something there, the emotion is what gets you to take action. So maybe the, 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 the lesson here, maybe the moral of this weird convoluted story isn't so much about how do we optimize a process to get them to the part where they press the button faster, where they get to the line that is dotted, right? The Glengarry Glenn Ross reference that we say our job is to create and instill emotional responses because we know and trust that once they have those emotional responses, those people will find their own path to take action. We don't have to make it easy for them. We just have to not get in their own, our own way. We don't have to optimize it to shave off a couple of seconds or shave off a couple of milliseconds in this return screen. We don't have to focus on how quickly can we do it because we know if you've created joy in someone, they'll happily go through the process. Even if it's a little convoluted, even if it's a little messy. I mean, sure, you don't want to be a jerk about it and you just want to prevent, you know, set some guardrails up to try and do whatever you can to not undercut that emotional reaction you've just created. But really, once you create that joy, this is a place where I'm going to feel happy. This is a place where I'm going to be satisfied. This is a place where I'm going to get to do the kind of work where I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be surrounded by people who are motivated by stuff, stuff the same way I'm motivated by stuff. This is the place where I'm finally going to be able to put my flag up and say, look at what I can do. Or this is a place where I can know that I don't have to worry about my boss micromanaging. Or this is the kind of place where this is the kind of place. Whatever. Whatever story you're trying to tell, it's in service of an emotional reaction. And having established that emotional reaction, you can coast on that for a very long time. You don't have to worry about a bumpy candidate experience. You don't have to worry so much about the ATS. You don't have to worry so much about a perfectly written, copywritten job posting. But it's assuming you're able to create that emotional connection, which takes time, which can, you know, but if you have the 22 days, go for it. Make it happen. Optimization is about squeezing more out of less. Emotion's a whole other ballgame. And I'm not saying they're completely opposite. I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive. I'm saying if you're going to put a dollar down in making something happen, optimizing is probably, the, it's probably an easy way to spend a buck. It's probably actually going to show some pretty obvious ROI. But that increase in ROI is going to face an economy of scale where it's going, or not an economy of scale rather, but uh, 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 what's the rule of the law of when you do it the next time, it's slightly smaller, right? <laughs> right? And I'm blanking. I can't believe I'm blanking. Um, you, you're going you're gonna to get less and less out of it. Whereas emotion, every extra dollar you spend could be presenting and creating more emotion in more people. The long-term effects are magnificent. The long-term effects are powerful. The emotion will coast into onboarding and the work. People will come skipping into work, thrilled to work for you, thrilled to start that job. Monday morning won't be 
terrifying. It'll be thrilling and exciting of all the wonderful things they get to do because you've established an emotional connection with them. So the next time you're focused and surrounded by another employer brand people, listen for when people start to talk for emotions. You'll notice that doesn't happen very often. But perhaps this is my call to action to you. Maybe it's time to start talking about emotions. Maybe it's time to start talking about what emotional state would you like people to get to? Not what do they get to, what would you like intentionally for them to get to? How do you make people feel something about you and your company? How do you get them from state A to state B? Because if you solve that problem, all the other problems, time to fill, pipelines, recruiting volume, all that stuff, tends to get quieter in a hurry because you've established and you've stoked an emotional fire in people that is very hard to wash away. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, you know, if you, I would love to hear your response to this one. Nobody talks about emotions much, and frankly, I'm no, I'm no expert in any way, shape, or form. Um, but I love to hear your re- your thinks you're thinking about how do you instill emotional reaction in your candidates, in your employees, in your profiles, and how all your communication tools. What is your thought process around how does what emotional state is this going to connect to? This is pretty common stuff when it comes to consumer marketing. I don't think we've quite done a great job embracing it on the employer brand recruitment marketing side. So I would love to kind of have more of this conversation. So speak up, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, website stuff, email, you know, all the places you find me. Uh, Love to hear your story. Love to hear more. Love for you to argue with me as always. Um, But, you know, just love to hear what you have to say. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you next week. Bye. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of The Talent Cast. If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, If you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show or just, you know, general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at The War for Talent. At The War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.